Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we rejoice and are glad in it. Jesus is our king and the captain of the Lord's host. He's the captain of the armies of the Lord. We pray that you would make us faithful soldiers that are enlisted, O oh God, not being driven by the cares of this world, Father, for we have been enlisted to fight the battles of the Lord and to be trained up as warriors to defend the kingdom, to grow the kingdom, to serve the kingdom, and to serve the king. We pray that you would use Nicholas this morning in a powerful way. Open our hearts to receive his exhortation, instruction, his message from his heart to ours. Anoint it with the Holy Spirit and use him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Nick. All righty, good morning, everybody. We're ready, we're excited. I'm pumped. Uh, this intense trip was amazing. And everybody that come back from it, you could tell that all these guys that are up here are excited. First of all, let's give a hand to those guys that are up here this morning. And all those that came here in the front, they took uh, me, my dad, and a couple of us. We came back last night, but there was others that came back this morning very early. And they still showed up this morning to come receive from God. The past three days, they've been hearing from God, and they've been going to service, and they've been sleeping in the woods, like Alex said, and they've been uh, having to use outhouses and doing all that stuff, and they still decided to show up this morning. So that shows, you know, that, that they're serious about church, they're serious about God, and they're serious about their relationship with the Lord, amen? But um, just like my dad said, that, that trip was amazing, 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 and it just continues to uh, show witness and testimony of our uh, seriousness and not only the caliber of excellence that we bring from Miami. And these guys love us so much, and even though in years past they've kind of had, uh, we give them a bad vibe, we perhaps uh, come across as arrogant or obnoxious, that's up to their discretion, but they, they really genuinely see how just us, a, whole, a group of 112, 115 men gather up and are having a good time serving the Lord and enjoying each other in fellowship and in, in the presence of God. And when you see that and when you see all of us there with our blue shirts and with the gold letters and you see us all having a great time, nobody's upset, nobody has a bad attitude because they lost a game or anything like that, they get extremely impressed with the class and the excellence that we bring. And G.F. Watkins, when he gave us that trophy, he gave that, my dad that trophy, he talked for the next five minutes of just how impressed and how much we mean to that retreat, to that conference. And uh, we went over there, and, and uh, my dad was able to speak, and we were able to show them, uh, you know, what is a man, and be able to speak about those things. And we talked about it so much, and we impacted them so much, that finally they gave us that trophy. And, like, the... the uh, the most influential pastor of the year for in 2016 goes to Pastor Joaquin Molina, and he brought up to the stage, and he said, Pastor, do you have something to say, or do you want to say something? And he grabs the mic. He says, absolutely something. Hallelujah. And he gives it back to Gia Falkins, because that's it. What else do you have to say? When you bring 115 men from Miami, 31 hours on a bus, what else do you have to say? It's obvious that we're serious about God. It's obvious we're serious about men's ministries, and it's obvious that we want to change the world. Amen. Amen. So, it pumps me to be in church. It pumps me not only that I'm sharing, but just that the fact that I get to be here with you guys and uh, week in and week out that God's presence is felt this morning and every single service. Um, 
a couple of months ago, I was really blown away, and it just brought to the realization of how much church means to me and how much I love church. Because every time I come to church, you guys saw church this morning with the four men that shared their testimonies and their lives to that guy in the Uber truck, right? You guys see church when you guys come here and you see people that were losing their marriage, were losing their life, were losing to drug addictions, are all broken, now they're set free, they're here worshiping God, that's the church. And that's the church that we're experiencing this morning, and that's what gets me excited. That's what gets me animated. And not so much that, you know, the word that we're sharing or anything like that, but the fact that we're all gathered here together, and we are showing that we've overcome challenges, that we've overcome different uh, things that were out to destroy, the, to destroy us, and now we're standing here in victory through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, uh, I wanted to share on uh, World Changers Are Dragon Slayers is not the title. That's okay. It's a great title, but it's just not a title. Tonight, or today rather, sorry, uh, used to living stones. Uh, today, we're going to be, uh, the title should be is World Changers Are Giant Slayers. And uh, let's go ahead and let's start out with 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. And we'll read here, it says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. From Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his, hand, on his head, and he, had, he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to the lineup for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. There's so many different things in this life. There's so many things in this world that want to come and they want to pressure us and enslave us into doing their will or keep us outside of the will of God. And these things, these beings, these uh, strongholds are known as giants. And so a lot of time when you hear a preaching on giants or when you hear something about, a, a, you know, a giant stronghold, automatically we get all spiritual and we get to see, like, the stronghold of depression. And, all, and those are giants. And those are huge battles. But really, we, we only limit giants to those things. And we only limit giants to what is a drug addiction, to what is an alcoholic addiction, what is a divorce. We only limit uh, giants or strongholds to those things. But if you notice exactly what the description of this giant was, was something that was massive. And we just read the description of Goliath, and we see that he's just a massive dude. This guy is humongous. Uh, scholars, uh, historians, they say that the guy was about like 9'9". Nine, nine. And when you, you know, nowadays when you see people that tall, usually they're very skinny, they're very thin, but this guy was 9'9 nine, nine and massive, just wide, big. All the types of armor and the weapons that you we were carrying weighed a ton. So, uh, how do we know exactly what a giant is? What, how do we know how to define or describe a giant in our lives? And so just a couple of points here. We know that giants are massive. We know that giants are humongous. They're huge, and they, they're overwhelming, really. We know that giants want to instill fear into our hearts. 
And we see that Goliath over and over again, it says at the end, while he was, he was screaming at the Israelites from one side of the mountain to where they were at their camp, he was screaming at them, am I not the Philistine? Am I not big and bad? And are you guys not small? Are you guys servants of Saul? And at the end of his speech, at the end of his presentation to them, verse 11 says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words, they were greatly afraid. And so not only are giants massive, they're huge, they feel overwhelming, but they're there to instill fear into our hearts. And ultimately, they do this, they appear big, they appear massive, they want to instill fear in our hearts to enslave us and to make us fall away from God's plan for our lives, to take away the freedom that Jesus Christ has paid for, for us to be able to enjoy and live this life on the earth for. And so if there's something that appears massive and overwhelming in your life, and it fills your heart with fear and has taken away your peace and your joy, you've got a giant on your hands. And if you're not careful, if you're not ready to fight, if you're not ready to battle out that giant, it will enslave you and it will keep you away from the blessings and the purpose that God has for your life. And so the, the good news is, you know, while there are many giants in this world, like I've said, while there are many things that feel overwhelming, feel massive, feel like they can overtake us and they strike us with fear and they keep us from being able to enjoy life, Jesus has come to liberate us from that and be able to slay these giants. And so we're going to look at exactly what it takes to slay giants in our lives. We're going to look at exactly what it takes to overcome these strongholds, what it's going to take to overcome these chains. But for my first point for today, in order to overcome a giant or in order to become a giant slayer, number one, first and foremost, you need to understand that you need to walk with God. Because we alone cannot overtake giants. We alone cannot overcome giants. It is only through God's strength and it is only through God's uh, encouragement that we're able to overcome these people. So obviously when we talk about giants, when you talk about uh, you know, something big and over a little person overcoming a big person, automatically whether you're a Christian, whether you're from the world, the, the story of David comes to mind, right? And so... Uh, when, when David was appearing before uh, Goliath, and you hear the story with the sling and the rocks and hit him in the forehead, he died, and he overcame that huge uh, guy, we're able to see an example or what it takes to be a giant slayer. There's nobody in the world that would ever uh, not agree that David himself was a giant slayer because it's, it's, it's known that he was small, this guy was massive, and yet he was able to overcome it. It's an inspiring story to all that have heard it, and everyone strives to want to be like David. And so not only do we see, what, the first thing rather that we see about David and the, the way that he was able to overcome this giant was that he knew that it wasn't him overcoming the giant. He knew that it wasn't within himself. He knew that he was small. He knew that he wasn't, he wasn't the same size as this guy, nor did he have the experience of warfare like this guy, but that he had something bigger and stronger on his side. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. For all those that gather here will know that it is not by sword, nor is it by spear, that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So first and foremost, we have to have the understanding that the only way we can defeat these giants is by God's help alone. 
Notice David didn't say it was because I was, I've been protecting these sheep for so long. It's not because I have a slingshot. It's not because uh, I have great accuracy. Everything that he gave credit to defeating that giant, that he was professing to defeat that giant, was because he knew that he, God was going to give him that victory. And it's so sad that in this world, there's so many people that try to overcome these giants in their lives. They try to overcome these things that are overwhelming. They try to overcome these things that strike fear in their hearts. They try to overcome all these people, uh, all these things that are enslaving them through secular means, through their own strength, and not through God's help. We see people that are suffering through depression, people that suffer through anxiety, and they go to psychiatrists, and they want to get pills, and they want to get, you know, some type of medication to stop hearing the voices, or maybe to sleep at night, or to feel calm, and to feel cool and collected. We, feel, we see people that feel lonely, feel people that don't have friends, they go out, and they think that by going to different parties, or uh, going out to a club, or going out to hang out with family members or friends, that that'll calm uh, themselves, and they'll be able to let go of loneliness. They, you see different people that are going through divorce, and they feel like if they, they defeat, uh, you know, if they have problems with their marriage, they'll go on a vacation, or maybe they'll go out to dinner a couple of times, but only to come back home, and the giant sitting on their porch waving back at them. And they continue to do all these different means, and they go to anything and taste anything except the, the true victory that is in Jesus Christ. Now, when, when David went up to Saul, and he's like, listen, man. This guy's a punk, and we're going to go out, and we're going to kill him. And we're I'm tired of hearing this guy defy Israel, and I'm tired of hearing this guy talk bad about us and all this different stuff. We got to go out there, and we got to slay this guy. And automatically, Saul's like, okay, okay, but you're a little boy. You don't understand what you're doing. You don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into. Uh, and finally, David was able to convince him, was able to let him know. And Saul automatically, instead of saying, okay, let's run with this, let's go with it, God's on your side, and all these different things, Saul turns to his armor. And Saul grabs David, and he puts his helmet on him, and Saul grabs a breastplate, puts it on David, and he goes, here, carry this sword, carry this shield, and you'll be able to defeat him, you'll be able to defend yourself. And he puts all these physical things on David. And a lot of times when we go out and we're doing all these physical things to defeat these giants, we're taking classes, we're getting help from other people, we think that if we go to, uh, you know, get help by an infomercial or something like that, that that's going to help us. What it did to David was that it weakened him. And it made him a lot less able to move. It made him a lot less able to defeat that giant. And that's the same thing that happens to us. A lot of people want to take over their debt. A lot of people want to take over, you know, the depression. They want to take over all these things that are, like I said, overwhelming, that are filling their, their hearts with fear, that are enslaving them. They'll turn to all these different things, and they won't turn to God. And what happens is they get continually pressed down and weighed even much more to be even easily more enslaved to these giants. And people go to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. They go to, you know, these rehab centers. They go to psychiatrists for medication, you'll see people that are sick, that are unhealthy, and they'll turn to like different Pinterest ideas and they'll start a cleanse and they'll start like these juicing and stuff like that and they're like, they just, it's good for their intestines and all this nonsense. And they go through and they look up online for all these different remedies. They go ahead and, and they try to, like I said, slay their debt through different financial means. We see those commercials um, and it's like, oh, you get a free copy of this little booklet and people rely on that booklet more than they rely on God to defeat their finances. And that's, a, that's so sad to be able to see that these people are relying on such insignificant things to be able to overcome these huge giants when there's a huge God in heaven that's waiting to overcome this giant for them. Proverbs 21.31 says, Proverbs 21.31, please, says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests with the Lord. 
So people do all this, like I said, they prepare their horse, they put on the saddle, they put on, you know, the, the, the bit in their mouth, and they're getting ready to fight the battles of the Lord, and they're ready to go out to defeat these giants. But ultimately, if you don't have God on your side, if you don't have the ultimate giant slayer on your side, it's impossible for you to overcome this. Now, why? Why do people rest on their own strength? Why do people rest on their own physical abilities to defeat these giants, right? And why do people feel like they have the ability to do this? Is because to them, the battle is physical. To them, they see it as something that they have to do. They must act upon in order to defeat these giants, and that's something spiritual, that, which is what it is. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so when people go out to defeat these giants, they're going with everything they have with their muscles, and they're going out with all their tactics and their wisdom and their earthly abilities, and they come up short every single time because you can't punch a drug addiction. You can't go out and you can't strangle, uh, you know, a, a, a divorce. You can't go out and, and, and with your earthly abilities, your physical body, go out and go and attacking these things because it's spiritual. It's something deeper. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And yet we continually fight as if this was, you know, something that we can do ourselves, right? But since we are in the natural and since we are physical and since we have our sinful nature, for us naturally it's impossible to beat these giants because these giants are spiritual giants. And these aren't giants that are, you know, like, uh, like Gary or maybe like Ariel or maybe like Ephraim or these huge guys. These aren't people that we can just attack. These are things that are within ourselves that we can't see. And like I said, the only way we're able to overcome these things is through God's help. And a lot of people, they'll go into battles thinking that, you know, it's their strength and they think that it's their doing. And ultimately, it's not. It's everything that's given to, uh, to credit to God because he's the only one that can do it. There's a story about a little boy who's going out, and he sees a, an old lady crossing the street. And so he goes up to her, and he's like, ma'am, can I, can I help you cross the street? I see you're having some trouble. She's like, oh, thank you so much. I was having such a hard time here with my walker. And she's there, and she's crossing the street. And, she, and he goes, okay, well, where are you going? He goes, oh, my apartment's across the street uh, through this back alley. And he says, okay. So he grabs her arm, and he goes through, and they're walking slowly but surely to her apartment. As they're getting closer, they're going through an alley, and five thugs show up. And so he's, like, freaking out. She's freaking out. She doesn't know what, she's, what to do. And he says, don't worry, ma'am. I got it covered. And so he steps in front. And he goes, listen, guys, you leave us alone, and you turn away, and you go away. You're going to get into some serious trouble. And at first, the guys were tough. They were mean looking. They looked like they were about to do some serious damage. And all of a sudden, they had huge, you know, their eyes got real big, and they started backing away. And they ended up sprinting, fleeing from there. And so he felt good about himself, and he was like, yeah, I just protected this old lady. I just kept her from getting mugged and getting robbed. And when he turns around, he saw that the old lady had pulled out a revolver and was pointing at those guys. <laughs> and you see, that's how we feel. We think that because we took a couple courses on financial stability, we feel like because we went through a couple classes on marriage, we feel like because we know our things that we're able to overcome these giants, and we have nothing on these giants. We can't do anything outside of that revolver, outside of God's word, outside of God's protection in our lives. And if we go into any battle, if we go and confront any type of giant thinking with that mentality of we've got this, you're in for a rude awakening. And you only get more enslaved, you only get more kicked out of the purpose of God for your life, and you only get pulled away from the will that God has for your life. 
So number one, understand that in order to defeat these giants, in order to overcome these giants, to be a giant slayer, you need to walk with God. It's not by our own ability. It's not by our own uh, strength, but it's all through his uh, mercy and through his grace. So number two, you need courage and you need faith. Now, like I said, naturally, when we think about overcoming giants, when we hear about a giant, when we think about, you know, uh, somebody who was a giant slayer, we think of King David. And we think about that story with uh, the slingshot and how he was able to knock him out. But the Bible talks about other giant slayers that maybe aren't so popular, maybe we don't speak of as much. And these could be found in Numbers 13, and we'll start with verse 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people, for they're stronger than we are. And we gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in, your own, in our own sight. So what are we going to talk about here? When Moses and the children of Israel were going to go into the promised land, were going into the land of Canaan, he went ahead and he sent in 12 men from the, from the leaders of the different tribes to go in and to spy out the land to see what was there, to go see the people, to go see how they lived, to see if there were any uh, walls, if there were any castles that they needed to break into or that to overcome before they went in and swept the area. And so these 12 men went in and they saw everything that there was. And when they came back, they said to the people of Israel, man, what God said, what God has promised us, this truly has a, is a land of milk and honey. And there truly is a bunch of blessing here and there's a bunch of prosperity and this land is perfect. It's fertile and there's so much in store for us for what's ahead. But the people that are inhabiting this land are humongous. And all of them are giants, and compared to them, we're like grasshoppers. We're small. We're insignificant. They're going to crush us. There's no way that we can go in there and fight and be able to overcome these people. And a lot of times when we're fighting these giants, voices just like these come into our lives, and they're telling us, man, that thing is way too big. You're way too into debt. That marriage is way over. You guys, you're, there's no way you're going to get your children back. There's no way that you're going to be able to get over this depression. You're going to be stuck on meds for the rest of your life. The diabetes is going to stay on you for the rest of your life. You're going to have to be uh, kept from being able to hang out and go out with your friends. You're going to be lonely. Nobody likes you. You're rejected from society. You have, you're a loner. you got nobody with you. All these different people are screaming all these different things at us. And here these, these men were telling the children of Israel, there's no way that we're going to be able to go over there and get the victory. There's no way that we're going to be able to go inside of this, uh, this land and overtake it for ourselves. This is not for us. This victory is not for us. And there's different people that have heard these different situations and that have faced these giants. We heard of Doug Stringer, a pastor friend of ours, that he got cancer. And people are like, man, you're going to have to stop and slow down your ministry, and you're not going to be able to travel as much, and you're not going to be able to speak as much, and you're going to have to be in the hospital time in and time out, and you're going to spend the majority of your time in there, and you can't be traveling. There's other people, man, at intense, it was intense. And while they were playing, uh, we're there playing, and we're looking at the sidelines, and there's only nine of us on the team, maybe ten of us, and we see, you know, 30 guys on the sidelines, and they're all huge Texans, and they're all humongous, and we're just like, man. Like, what are we going to do here? And they're there shouting things at us, and some of them are very nice. Some of them are not. And some of them were saying, like, go back to Miami. You don't belong here. Or, this is over. You don't belong here. All these different, yeah, very mean, very not nice. Uh, and we're like, man, like, tell me how you really feel. Uh, 
So we're looking and we're seeing all these huge guys. You know, we, we're constantly seeing all these things that are telling us that we're not able to attain that victory. But there was these two men of the 12 that were sent in named Joshua and Caleb. And while those 10 others were saying, this is too big, we're too small, we're not going to be able to overcome, Joshua and Caleb, verse 6, says, uh, But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of uh, Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and he will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now, why were Joshua and Caleb so ambitious and why they were so encouraged to go into that land despite seeing the giants, despite seeing the hardships, despite seeing having to see all those battles fight? They were just like those 10 men. They went in there. They saw the giants. They saw the, the, the challenge that was before them. They saw all these different things, but they had a different mentality. Why is that? Why were they of the same company seeing all these different things just like everybody else, and yet 10 decided to say it was too hard, they were too big, it was going to be too tough, and these two said, man, we got it, it's for us, that's a land flowing of milk and honey that God has promised us. Why were they like that? Because they understood that God was on their side. And just like David understood when he went before Goliath that God was on his side, Joshua and Caleb, through that, were able to have enough courage to be able to overtake these giants. Because courage takes faith in God to know that he's going to pull you through that victory. And so their faith in God gave them the courage to be able to come up and to encourage the people of Israel. Like, man, forget what they're saying. Forget about that. We can't do this. We're going to go in there and we're going to take this land that God has promised to us. And so uh, me and my brothers, we like to go to the gym every once in a while to play basketball. And uh, when we go there, we played basketball for a, lot, a long time. We played high school basketball. We, we were pretty good at it, if you ask me. Uh, and so when we're going in there and we start getting rough and we start getting, you know, with these guys, you know, the Reuters and all these people are on roid rage and having issues and stuff like that, they like to get physical and they get upset. And so as time happens, you know, time, it, it never fails. Every time we go, for whatever reason, they decide to pick on Brandon. And so, yeah, like they see me and Josh and they're like, okay, well, those two we probably can't talk to too much, but maybe Brandon, you know, he's, he's, maybe he's like the lightest there so we could go and we could push him around and stuff like that. And so while we're there, we're playing basketball, we're scoring, we're stealing, we're, we're just as much, you know, we're, just, we're getting just as, as, uh, as rowdy as they are. You know, they just start to push Brandon and they start saying something to Brandon. And Brandon, like, with no shame, with no issue, he looks at him, listen, punk, leave me alone. You're not touching me anymore. Like, go over there. Go check the ball somewhere else. And he tells him off, right, just like he deserves it. And for me and Joshua, we get infuriated when we see this because, like, man, leave him alone. This is, we're not, we're not going to have any of this. And so when they're there pushing him around, Brandon has the courage and he has the strength to be able to overcome these people and tell them, like, listen, punks, these are huge. These are 280 pounds. They're short, but they're wide. They're injecting themselves from every place in their body. And, and Brandon looks at them in the face, and he's like, listen, man, go check the ball somewhere else. Go home. Like, get out of here. Why does he have that? Why does he have that courage? Why does he have that strength? Why does he have that tenacity to overcome this? Not just because he's ready to scrap it out there by himself, but because he's got backup. And when he sees me and Joshua, he doesn't care who it is. He doesn't care if they speak Spanish. 
He doesn't care they don't understand him. He doesn't care how big they are. He doesn't care how big their muscles are or what they look like. He's like, listen, man, get out of here. You don't belong here. Take your ball, go home. And as those guys look at Brandon, they see that, oh, wait, they're three brothers. It's not just one guy. It's not just one here balling out by himself, but there's three of them, and they're friends, and they're brothers. They live together. They know they've been fighting together since they were young. When they see that, they're like, all right, man, all right, leave me alone. And they start walking away and start checking the ball up again. <laughs> Basically. So in the same manner, you guys got someone standing behind you. And so when a giant stands before you and a giant's telling you, hey, listen, you're too small, you're too little, you can't overcome me, you say, listen, man, Jesus has got my back. Jesus is behind me. He's going to overtake me. He's giving me the strength. He's giving me the purpose to overcome you. You don't have a stronghold in my life. You don't have a say in my life. I am not a slave to you. You are going to be defeated by me because Jesus Christ is on my side. And it's not by my strength. It's not by my authority. But it's his authority through me that could overcome you. Guys, can you? Jesus is on your side. The man that overcame death. The man that died on a cross, the person that healed the 5,000, the person that overcame this world, he's fighting your battles. You don't have to lift a finger. Maybe you could point at, you know, this guy, Jesus, that's the guy that's messing with me. Maybe you could do that. But you don't have to do anything else. You can't do anything else. And the more we try, the more we try to fight it, the more we try to defend ourselves, the more we see that we're just as weak and we're just as, as feeble as we think of ourselves as our mind. But if we have the understanding that we have our Father standing behind us, that we have the understanding that God is on our side and that he's the one uh, ready to take out whoever's messing with his son or with his daughter, we could have the courage and the faith to trust in him knowing that he's going to overcome whatever's standing in our way. No sickness, no, no relationship, no friendship, no emotion, nothing can overcome us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? What can we say? What are we going to do? What exactly are we going to come across with these things? Because if God is for us, who can be against us? There's nothing that can stand in our way. There's nothing that can be before us because anything that does is looking in for a beatdown. Amen? Amen. So number three, preparation. As David was overcoming these giants, as David was, was looking forward to beating down on, these, on, on Goliath, uh, he didn't automatically show up with the understanding, with the tenacity that that giant was going to get knocked down. When he showed up and he saw that, that Goliath was standing before him, he didn't all automatically at that moment have the initiative to know that God was on his side, that he was connected with the bigger, the bigger giant, and that he was going to knock down this guy. What happened was that he was being prepared from the beginning to understand how to defeat this giant. Verse 34, 1 Samuel 17, 34 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. 
David had an understanding and he had the courage and the faith he had to overcome this giant because his relationship, his walk with God was so strong that he knew that whatever was going to come, whether it be a lion, a bear, or even this giant Goliath, God was going to deliver from him. But the thing is that David had a relationship with Jesus Christ. He had an understanding of who Jesus Christ was and who God was, and he knew that from beforehand, before he reached the battle. Now, how was David preparing for the battle? How did he have an understanding through that? Or how did he get that understanding? Well, because before this battle, before he even faced this giant, with the little giants that he was facing, he was walking in obedience to the instruction of his father. And his dad said, David, from sunrise to sunset, and maybe sometimes in the nighttime, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to watch a sheep. And you have to go there and protect them and, and guard them. And you're going to have to guide them through the different pastures and lead them to, uh, to water. And you're going to have to save them to go eat and all these different things. And David wasn't rebellious. He didn't turn away from it. He didn't say, I'm going to do my own thing. He walked in that obedience. And even though to him it might be something insignificant, I'm just watching a bunch of sheep. They can't take care of themselves. They're like almost useless animals except for their wool maybe. They, 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 there's, no, there's no point in these in, in, in what they do. They, they can't defend themselves. They, they only stand there and they're waiting, like uh, they're a buffet line there just waiting to be devoured. He said, okay. And he walked in that obedience and he went and he guarded and he defended those, those sheep. And what happens was that as he continued to walk in that obedience, his heart was being prepared for what was to come with that battle of Goliath. He didn't have a notification on his iPhone letting him know that in a couple months he was going to be uh, you know, facing Goliath of Gath in a battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. All he knew at that moment, at that instance, was that his father asked him to go and to guard the sheep and to go protect them from anything that came to take them away or to harm them. And as he was doing that, he was protecting them. He was spending time with God. He was writing psalms. He was going out. He was playing with the harp under a tree. That whole time, his heart and God's heart was being knitted together so that he knew that he was being defended by God as he was defending the sheep. And that, that relationship, that connection was so strong that he understood whether it was a lion, whether it was a bear, whether it was whatever beast that came on him, he had the victory. And as you guys continue to walk into in obedience and as you guys continue to strive into that relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be uh, disheartened because you know that God's on your side and God's defending you. Amen. Now, everyone's for spending more time with Jesus Christ and everybody's for praying more and reading their Bible more. But when you talk about obedience, everyone's like, mm, I don't know. Because obedience takes suffering. And maybe there were some days that David didn't feel good. Or maybe he wanted to go play with his friends. And still he was out there caring for the sheep. And he was listening to his father. And even though he probably wanted to go, you know, uh, in the, you know, go swimming in the river with his friends. Or maybe he wanted to go with a slingshot, go play, you know, tag. Or he wanted to go play games or something like that. He had to be obedient to his father. Now let's say that David decided not to do that. Do you think that outside of his stepping into obedience that he'd be able to, able to, uh, to confront that, that giant and be able to overtake him? No, because he, did, he wouldn't have that relationship with, with God. He wouldn't have that, that intimate connection with God knowing that he's standing behind him. So number one, walk with God. Number two, you have the courage and faith to overcome that giant. And so number three, the preparation is just as important as all these other steps I've uh, talked about before because this is where your heart gets knitted and gets prepared for what's to come. And so 
uh, I, I, I put it like this, taking a step in obedience is taking a step into victory. Because while David was out caring for the sheep, like I said, he was being prepared for the challenge that was to come. And he didn't see it. Maybe you don't see a, a financial crisis coming up in your life. Maybe you don't see a sickness that's coming down the road. Maybe you don't see a, a, you know, a relationship that's going to be passed away. Or maybe you don't see that trial that's coming up or that giant that's coming to face you. But God is waiting to prepare you for that. But in order to prepare for that, you have to walk in that obedience. And so now we're having this uh, series here at church on the Wednesday nights. We're having that uh, finance uh, teaching by Pastor Edwin Castro. And we've been told time and time again, make sure you guys come out. You guys need to hear from this. This guy's an expert on finances. He's going to help us be able to experience prosperity and blessing from the Lord. And we still don't show up. And that's fine. You guys are tired. It's work. You guys have all these different excuses and all different stuff. That's fine and dandy. But when that, God, when that Goliath comes into your life and that giant comes and you're not prepared, there's going to be some serious, you know, uh, issues at hand. And while we're coming and we're being told and the pastor's telling us, listen, I want you to go ahead and take these marriage classes with Joy and Zuleika. I'm like, no, I don't really need that right now. I feel like we're strong enough. We like each other so much already. And while we're going out and, and we're doing all these different things and we're walking outside of obedience, when that giant comes, he's going to enslave us. Because when in the beginning we're supposed to be walking in obedience, in the beginning we're supposed to go and, and do what the pastors of the church, our spiritual leaders, what God is telling us to do, if we decide not to walk in it, then we don't have that covering. We don't have that backing, and we won't have that victory. Because like I said, taking a step in obedience is taking a step into victory. Amen. And outside of obedience, there is no blessing. Outside of obedience, there is no prosperity. Outside of obedience, there is no victory. So I encourage you guys, when somebody, when a pastor, when a leader, when a, a spiritual figure in life, when God tells you to do something, don't take it as, don't take it as a suggestion. Don't take it as an advice or an opinion, but rather take it as something that you're, as a goal that you're trying to meet, that you're going to go forward and, and try to do. When, uh, when my dad, uh, you guys have heard the story before, but maybe for those that haven't, when my dad told me uh, to go out and take my real estate test, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm 19 years old. I've never worked before. I have no knowledge of, of the career itself. I don't know anything about that stuff. But because I took that step in obedience, that already was projected me towards victory. And when you guys take that step into obedience, when you guys take that step, it doesn't matter how big that giant is. It doesn't matter how wide that giant is. It doesn't matter how strong that giant is. You're going to be able to overcome that because God is going to bless you through that obedience. God is going to bless you through that act that you're doing, even though you do not want to do it, even though it's outside of your will. God is blessing you through that, and that victory is yours because God sees your heart, and God sees how you want to honor your authority. He, wants to, he, want, he sees that you want to honor God, that you want to honor him in, in everything you do. And by taking that step of obedience, he's saying, all right, now he's taking that step into victory. And when that giant comes, he isn't going to mess with my son because he's walking the plans and the purposes that I have for his life, and nothing is going to keep him from being able to receive the blessings I have for his life. Amen. Acts 13, says, After removing Saul, he made David their king, and he testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything that I want him to do. Absolutely. So as we continue to walk in that obedience, as we continue to move through uh, the, the words of our pastors and through our leaders and our parents, and we start striving for those things, God sees that we're walking in accordance to his plan for our lives. Amen. And so when anything comes here to stumble us or to, uh, to deviate us from that plan or from that path, he isn't going to let it happen. 
Because as we continue to push forward, God is going to make sure that that, that road is, is, is cleared out by any enemies, by any Goliaths, by any giants, so that we can reach the goal to glorify and honor his name. And that's the same thing with David. He saw David, and he saw that obedience, he saw his tenacity and his zeal for the Lord, and he saw how his heart was connected to God's heart. And he's like, man, this Philistine ain't got nothing on us. And he went, and he went on him, and, and God saw that this was the purpose, this is the plan for his life, so he made the road clear for him. But if we continue to fail and we continue to fall to these giants, it might be because you guys are walking outside of obedience, outside of the path that God has for you. And these giants are only going to enslave you. They're only going to overtake you and continue to overcome you. Now, another thing was that uh, David was humble. And like I said, everything that was about this fight, everything that was about this showdown was not about him. It was not about his strength. It was not about his wisdom or because of his ability, but it was all because of God in him. In Psalm 62, 9, it says, Low-born men are but a breath, and the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they're nothing. For together they are only a breath. And that's all we have. We have a lot of talk maybe. We have a lot of chatter and stuff like that. But if we have no backing, we're going to get run over by that giant. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 3. I call to the Lord. And why do we call to the Lord? I asked my, my men's group uh, a couple weeks, I said, why do we pray to God? Why do we call to God when we're, fought, when we're facing a giant, when we're going before God? Why is it that man calls to God? And, you know, everyone came up with an, you know, with a, with, uh, an answer of because he loves us, because he wants to take care of us, because he wants to. And, like, yes, that's all, because, that's all why we call to God. But we call to God because he listens. And he has his ear attentive to his voice so that whenever his child calls to him, he's there in a split second to take down whatever giant it is. And whatever comes our way, whatever is coming to mess with the son, the father's coming to come and beat down whatever's messing with us. And if something is messing with our hearts, something's messing with our health, something's messing with our prosperity, with our success, and we're walking in that obedience, Jesus is coming with his big staff and he's beating down that wolf because he's our good shepherd and he's taking care of the flock and he's taking care of us. Now, lastly, we said one, you need to walk with God. And as I'm closing out the, the service, I have uh, John Davis can come up here, please. Or Giselle, either one. As we walk with God, as we have the courage and the faith to trust in God and to stand up to those giants, and as we continue to prepare our hearts and prepare our lives to overcome those giants, lastly, we need to trust and have the confidence knowing that he is going to destroy those giants. And don't allow fear to get into your heart. Don't allow for doubt to be able to get into your heart. But have the encouragement that God is going to be there fighting the battles for you. And as we continue to walk in obedience, as we continue to prepare ourselves, as we have that courage and we have that faith and we have that, that, that walk and that relationship with Jesus Christ, anything that comes our way, whether it's cancer, whether it's a debt, whether it's a family member that hasn't met Jesus Christ yet, whether it's depression, anxiety, anything that comes before us, we understand that God is overtaking that giant. And through God's spirit in us, we will be giant slayers. And there's nothing in this world, nothing that can overcome us because God is for you guys. Let's go ahead and let's stand up as we close out the service. This morning as I, as I close out, I'm just going to say a prayer real quick, but let this be your prayer as well that 
we walk in obedience to God's purpose and plan for our lives. That as we continue to push forward and strive after the plans and purpose that God has for our lives, whether there's a giant in front of us, whether it's an overwhelming situation, whatever it is, as we continue to knit our hearts to Jesus Christ's heart, as our eyes become his eyes, as our hearts become his heart, as we continue to walk in that obedience, that victory is coming. So take that step into obedience, and I assure you that God will give forth that, t- that step into victory. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ, we thank you, O Lord. We thank you, O God, for defending us, O God, for being our provider, O Lord. We thank you because you're always there for us, O Lord. It doesn't matter how far we are, God. As soon as we call out to you, Jesus, you come to us, O God, ready to defend us, Lord. Nothing, O God, nothing at all, nothing in this world, nothing outside of this world, whether it be natural or supernatural, O Lord. Nothing can overtake us, God, because you are for us. God, I ask for forgiveness, O God, and I ask for repentance, Lord. For doubting, oh God, and for thinking that it's by our strength, Lord. For doubting you and thinking that we've got the victory within ourselves, Lord. For we're so weak, oh God. We're so insignificant outside of you, oh Lord. We ask you to please uh, forgive us for those thoughts, for that mentality, for that attitude, oh God. And we ask that we continue to walk in obedience to your word, oh God. That we continue to walk in obedience to the pastors of this church, to the leaders, oh Lord. And even though it might take some suffering, oh God, the victory that's at hand, oh God. The blessings that are at hand, the prosperity, God, the success, all these blessings that are at hand, Jesus, are way more than the small sufferings that we need to pass through for these things, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for this time this morning, and I pray for the second service, oh God, those that are on their way, that you keep them safe, and those that are going home, that you keep them safe as well, oh God. And that you continue to tug at the hearts of those that are just waiting to overcome those giants, oh God that they may find their victory and their obedience to you, O God, and they be able to follow you with all their heart, O Jesus. And it's all in these things that we pray in your name, O God. Amen. Praise the Lord. We said we're going to take, uh, give the pastor the month of March to rest. That's why uh, Nick is sharing this morning. I thank God that Nick is not only a great preacher, but he lives what he preaches. And that's where the life is. This morning, um, we would have to listen to this message several times before it sinks in. But overall, I take away that... God's plan to slay a giant is a faithful son that obeys God. So all of us have to perfect our obedience. The Bible says that Jesus Christ learned obedience by suffering different aspects. And we're all confronted with different giants. But God has given us the the winning card today. Perfect your obedience. And that leads you to victory. Father, thank you for this day you've made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you for Nick's life and his ministry and his word. We pray that this good seed planted in good hearts would bring forth a good fruit, O oh God, that we walk away aligning ourselves with God. This was not just another day at the house of God. It's a day that we met and received and welcomed your word. We pray, Father God, for it to produce the fruit according to your plan, Lord. We also pray for the bus and the men that are on their way, they're about to arrive, that they would have refreshing, restoration, healing, Father God, that they would be 
able to come into Miami to their homes, to their families with a charge of your goodness and of uh, your ministry over their lives, that they might be the world-changing leaders you've called them to be, to be the champions in this generation, to be faithful to Jesus Christ all the days of their life. Bless every family. Bless our finances, even uh, this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, as we continue to receive the ministry of your word through Pastor Edwin Castro. We pray that we would be receptive to the prosperity you want to bring to our lives because we know that the blessing of the Lord is the one that increases wealth and adds no sorrow. We glorify you and thank you, Jesus Christ, for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people say amen.